Traveling the Vortex. Side trip. Hey, Vortex crew. This is Kirk from Kansas City with a report from Chicago TARDIS. We had a memorable Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, my son and I drove up to Chicago from Kansas City. My daughter, who's in law school, was flying in to meet us from the East Coast. And we landed uh, actually in um, Thursday and uh, had a lovely Thanksgiving dinner with my daughter's boyfriend's family. Uh, they had a very nice time. And then uh, came down Friday morning and began Chicago TARDIS. Uh, I was a little surprised, as you guys know, I'm uh, one of the planners, have been one of the planners of Planet Comic Con in the past, so we, you know, bring 70,000 people or so to our convention center. I was kind of surprised by the uh, the more low-key tone of Chicago TARDIS. I knew it would be a smaller show, but Friday especially was uh, pretty quiet. Um, there were people there, um, but it was not as busy as Saturday at the show. Uh, there were also simply... Um, one main programming room, two smaller programming rooms, uh, a video conference area, a dealer room, which was um, just in a medium-sized ballroom, uh, and really had uh, two main vendors. Uh, about half of the room was taken up with the Alien Entertainment booth, uh, the Doctor Who shop uh, people, uh, who had a, a wide variety of merchandise, and most of the other half of the room was the Big Finish booth, which you guys would have really enjoyed, I'm sure. The, just table after table covered with the audio CDs of the Big Finish recordings. Probably every recording they've ever made uh, was there with multiple copies. Uh, there were some other vendors set up in there, and one comic book artist, Christopher Jones, uh, who does some Doctor Who comics. But it would say... Um, Obviously a much smaller experience than Planet Comic Con. The team at Chicago TARDIS has been doing it for 18 years, so uh, they really know what they're doing, and they had a, a great crew of volunteers uh, who kept things moving along. Uh, but, you know, Friday and, th and then even Saturday, they had a, a whole queuing system set up for registration that I really never saw, uh, you know, full in terms of the line. When we got in uh, and began on Friday... Uh, I started with a 10 a.m. panel uh, in their main exhibit room. But as we were heading actually down from our hotel room, um, Patrick had forgot his badge. And so we got, uh, you know, booted back out at, at the door to, to have his credentials. So we went back to the elevator to go up to our room and ran as the uh, elevator doors opened. We almost ran headlong into Peter Davison as he came off of the elevator. Uh, so uh, that happened a few different times where, uh, in this case, Patrick, we got on the elevator. I'm like, that was Peter Davis. And he's like, oh, I didn't even notice. Uh, later on, it's like we passed by Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant. And I said, that, that was that was a Six Doctor and Perry. He's like, oh, I didn't even see them. So we came up with a code word, rutabaga, so that anytime we were walking along, if there was a celebrity around that he would recognize. I just said rutabaga, and then he would know to look around. And that then worked later on uh, when we were uh, uh, moving around. I would say rutabaga, and he'd be like, what, what? Oh, and find the people. 
Um, the first panel we did, though, was an orientation. It was kind of nice that they were really taking the time with uh, for attendees to go through what was going to be happening at the convention. Uh, fortunately, it got a little bit dull. It, it, it did kind of turn into reading the website, and since I'd already looked at their website, I didn't need the full details. Uh, but one of their challenges this year is they were not able to book a new Who guest, and there was a, a statement issued by the convention organizer uh, just really apologizing to the fans about not having a new Who guest able to attend. They apparently worked with three different people trying to get somebody booked and just couldn't pull together a deal. And they, they made a point of going over that information at that orientation session. But I went ahead and, and headed out after a portion of that um, and went over to check out the, the game room and uh, the, um, uh, the video room and then also the dealer room. And I know that it's it's tough to book Doctor Who, uh, new Who guests. I know that from working on Planet Comic Con. Uh, so I really, my heart goes out to them in terms of the, the challenges right now in getting that done. Uh, the 11 a.m. panel that we attended was Peter Davison and Janet Fielding. Uh, that was being moderated by Stephen Chapansky of Radio Free Scarrow podcast. Um, they, that actual panel audio is already available on the RFS feed, so if people want to check that out. It was a fun panel. Um, Davison and Fielding obviously have worked together for a long time, done a lot of convention appearances, so they have some uh, real chemistry when they're on the, the stage, uh, taking people's questions and kind of ribbing each other as well. Um, it, that was fun. I had never seen either of those performers uh, in person before, uh, I did think it was odd in the main exhibit room, or rather the main panel room, uh, that um, the way that they handle seating, reserved seating for the kind of VIP upper ticket levels, is that every single seat uh, in the front, like seven or eight rows, was numbered with a, the person's name on it. So you had assigned seating for every single person with a VIP level ticket. What that meant for most panels where there weren't VIP people were that the first like eight rows of seats were almost completely empty. Uh, and that was that was very strange. Um, I don't know that, that that's necessarily the best way for them to handle that, but um, uh, especially since it's very rare, it was very rare when I was there to see uh, the room full. In fact, the only one, I'll talk about the, the only full panel here in a little bit. Uh, we got out a little bit uh, that day and grabbed some lunch and stuff, came back in, in time for the 2 p.m. panel with uh, Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred. Uh, the nice thing about this sh show was the guest list included the three doctors, uh, the Davison, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, uh, Sophie Aldred was there, Janet Fielding was there, um, and um, just a, a real nice... Oh, and, and uh, Nicola Bryant, who I mentioned before, was there. And also Lisa Greenwood from the the uh, Big Finish audios was there as well. Uh, when I arrived, I got down to the room just a, a few minutes late. Sylvester was already out in the audience running around up and down the aisles with the microphone and looking really sharp sporting a new goatee. He kind of looked like he was set up to play the master. Um, uh, it was very interesting. I, I guess this is for what he was doing. He said he would, has been recording, um, uh, filming uh, Sensate. But uh, in, he was there in the audience. Eventually, he went back to the stage, and it was then Sophie's turn to take the microphone and run around in the audience. So she was just picking up uh, his normal 
a high energy sort of a, a thing. And she was really um, uh, throwing people off by like coming up right in front of them in, in, in front of their seats and sitting down next to them. I'm not sure, but from where I was sitting, she might have been sitting on somebody's lap at some point. Um, that was a lot of fun, a, a great panel. Um, the next panel that, that I did was at 5 p.m., uh, and that was um, a, a, a um, companions panel with uh, Sophie, Janet Fielding, Nicola Bryant, and Lisa Greenwood talking about feminism in Doctor Who. Uh, that was moderated by, by Lynn Thomas of the Verity Podcast. Uh, they, that was a, a nice panel. There was a lot of mutual admiration among the ladies. They all definitely agreed uh, that Doctor Who, Doctor Who is doing a better and better job of representing uh, feminism and women in general, uh, having more parity in roles, and are all very enthusiastic about Jodie Whittaker coming on as the new Doctor. Uh, with, you know, some reservations I think that a lot of us have of wanting to make sure that that's handled and presented in a way that's fair and equitable. Uh, they definitely, you know, felt like and made a big point that when a man is cast as the doctor, uh, that man is not supposed to represent every single male in the world, and that we shouldn't expect to hold Jodie Whittaker to that same standard either. So we shouldn't expect her to represent all women simply because she's an actor taking on a role. At 6 p.m., they had their opening ceremonies on Friday evening. Uh, and so that was um, started with a little bit more website reading uh, because, again, they were trying to make sure they had more people in attendance for this. Uh, and then they concluded by bringing all of the guests from the event out onto stage at once. The, um, so that included, as I said, the three doctors, the companions, also uh, Nicholas Briggs, uh, Fraser Hines, who I didn't mention before, Jason High Ellery, who's the founder of Big Finish, uh, author Robert Smith, and comic book creators Tony Lee and Christopher Jones. And that was the wrap-up for that evening. That went till 7 p.m. Uh, there were some social things going on, kind of a costume thing, but Patrick and I went back to the room uh, to rest and play some video games uh, and started again on Saturday. Saturday morning, I went down early. Uh, they were doing a screening in one of the smaller programming rooms of the Five-ish Doctors reboot. And with Davis in there, I thought there was a chance he might show up for it. Unfortunately, the screening was kind of botched in that when I arrived, they were fiddling with the projector trying to get it to run. And as they got going, the projector then uh, was playing the audio. But when the video was playing, there was a big error message over the center of the screen. And then after a moment or so, it would go to a blue screen then cycle back around after a moment to the to the video but with the error message and then back to blue screen and back to error message and so on so after five or six or eight minutes of that going on and nobody seeming to try to fix it <laughs> I, I just decided to give up on on that panel and there was no sign of peter davison anyway at that point uh, a little bit later did a fraser hines panel again somebody who i had not seen in person before uh he was um you know, very fun. I mean, just hilarious. And talking about the Troughton era, uh, I thought that was a, a terrific, terrific panel. The next panel I did were was the Companions panel featuring uh, Sophie Aldred and Lisa Greenwood. Uh, they very much uh, had a good time together talking about stuff. Sophie and Sylvester are my favorite TARDIS team. Uh, so it's fun to, to see much more of her. 
Uh, and then, in fact, speaking of them, then the next thing I did was get their autographs, uh, Sophie and Sylvester. Uh, I decided after the investment of going to Chicago uh, and uh, paying for the tickets and all the things we're doing, it's that even though I'm not typically a, an autograph hound, uh, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and, and pay for their autographs. Uh, and so I had a copy of a 1990 edition of Doctor Who magazine that has them on the cover from in a picture from... Uh, Curse of Fenric, uh, standing in front of uh, the uh, church with the vicar, and uh, had each of them sign that, got a chance to, to speak with them both briefly, and um, so Sophie signed, I got to tell her that just like she and Sylvester, my birthday is also August 20th, all three of us have share the birthday and our birthday buddies, and that was fun. Uh, as Sylvester signed my magazine. He made a point of telling me, he said, I've signed this to Kirk outside of a Kirk because Kirk is the Scottish word for church and that was a Scottish church uh, on the cover. So that that was fun. I told him that I really liked his look with the goatee. He said he was just copying my look and I assured him that yes, I am quite the trendsetter. So we had a nice little chuckle. Uh, Patrick got to meet them as well and that was a, a fun experience. Uh, it's kind of strange how they do the the autographs and photographs though at uh, Chicago TARDIS they actually have us all go to a separate queuing room and sit in seats and wait to be called up in batches it allows them to get the VIP different types of VIP ticket people first and send them over but then once you're in small batches you go line up in a queue out in a hallway and then you're sent into the the autograph photograph room which is private and not visible to anybody um, in, in groups of five. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that at Chicago TARDIS there was never an opportunity where the guests were just sitting at tables and available for fans to kind of come up and meet at the table uh, other than paying for an autograph and getting to go in the little private room uh, or having to bump into one of the guests as they walked through the hallway. I want to talk a little bit more about that uh, when, when I get to the evening, of Saturday evening. Uh, but it was it was fun. It was a, nice to get their autographs and to have that kind of up-close-and-personal time. Even though Sylvester has been to Planet Comic-Con before, uh, that was a, an interesting experience during his time there, and so I never really got a chance to uh, socialize much with him, uh, much to my regret that weekend, and I made up for it now. The 5 p.m. panel was really the highlight of the convention uh, in terms of programming. It was three doctors on sto stage together, uh, so Davison, Baker, and McCoy. And they, again, I mean, they, they have had a lot of time together. They talked a lot about the Five-ish Doctors reboot. Uh, they have a lot of chemistry together and a lot of kind of shtick that they do with each other. Uh, the topic came up of uh, Peter Davison's comments about not being, having some regrets about boys not having a role model in a male uh, doctor made a point that his comments were not were somewhat taken out of context but uh colin baker challenged him on it a little bit and it didn't actually get testy although there was some polite debate back and forth between the two of them while some sylvester mccoy sat off to the side uh running his fists in circles going fight 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 uh and that brought down the house that was a huge uh, hilarious moment 
the uh, that panel was was terrific. It was the only panel, like I said, that was uh, filled up except for some empty spots up in those reserved seat rows. Uh, I actually it was standing room only, and I was. Um, standing along one wall which was nice i actually got fairly close and had an unobstructed view of the stage so i probably had my best view of the show after that panel uh, patrick and i headed back to the room uh, and ended up uh get it piling onto a fairly full elevator and um, as we came as the elevator door was about to close uh, a lady came on and, and then a smaller person who was kind of up in front of a um somebody larger in front of me and I didn't really see who was up there but suddenly the conversation with the lady who came on started with the other person and it was clear uh, she was complimenting Sylvester McCoy on having a great panel and um, so Sylvester McCoy rode our elevator up and it turned out that um, because of where we were going to up to a, uh, a party uh, on a higher level floor uh, we were like the last people left on the elevator with him because he was on a, on a very high floor. So as people got off the elevator, uh, we had more and more opportunity. And I got to congratulate him on on the panel as well. And, um, you know, just, to, again, got another nice uh, uh, moment or two with Sylvester McCoy. So that was, that was a, a highlight for me. As I said, Patrick and I went up to a, a room party. Uh, and it's apparently some, some of the long-term attendees uh, host this every year. They put together some some turkey and dressing and other snacks and stuff and kind of do a Thanksgiving themed uh, party in the room. It's a little bit interesting because um, uh, a number of the people who come up are, are year after year attendees who know each other and Patrick and I didn't. Uh, there were a few other folks that came up who were first timers, uh, but it was just an odd dynamic. We're, we're Doctor Who uh, geeks, and so everybody seemed to be fairly introverted. Uh, so it wasn't a whole lot of uh, chit-chat networking opportunities. I did speak with a cosplayer who, when I asked him how he got into Doctor Who, um, said, well, the day that they announced that David Tennant was going to be the next Doctor, two different people sent him emails with photos of David Tennant and said, oh, so this is what you're doing with your time now. And then I looked at him again, and I'm like, oh yeah, if his hair was darker, he would be the spitting image of David Tennant. And sure enough, he was a, had gotten into Doctor Who because of, he's a, doctor, a David Tennant lookalike and had actually won the grand prize in the costume contest one year as the 10th Doctor wearing the orange spacesuit costume. Um, and uh, so I had a, a nice chat with him, but eventually um, we, we took a break to go down to the, uh, to the costume contest and then the party resumed after the masquerade. Uh, but we came back up to the, I came back up to the room party, Patrick went back to, to our room, um, and they basically put on uh, some Red Dwarf episodes, and everybody just sat around quietly watching TV, and I'm like, well, I can I can watch TV back in my own room, or, or, or play games, or do things with Patrick, so I actually left and went back downstairs, and, and went to the lobby, and checked things out. But in between those two times was the masquerade, the costume contest, and they had actually a surprisingly few number of costumes that were shown on stage, only about 15 or so. I'd seen many more great costumes out in the hallways, but apparently uh, those people didn't, uh, didn't participate in the costume masquerade for one reason or another. Uh, they had the, the people who participated were really great. The highlight was a Alpha Centauri costume, uh, which uh, you may have seen circulating on social media. Uh, a, a terrific, just super fun costume. The guy that they had moderating the um, 
panel was uh, dressed as the um, as a classic series master, and uh, he was all very funny. And people in the costume contest were doing some of them were doing skits or musical bits or whatever. The Alpha Centauri cosplayer challenged the master to a dance off uh, to the chicken dance, uh, which was uh, just uproarious. And Alpha Centauri ended up winning Best of Show. Uh, they also brought up, a, as they presented awards later on, uh, a lot of the hallway awards uh, f- from the show, and that included just tons of small children in adorable uh, Doctor Who costumes. A lot of great stuff there. But while the judges were doing their judging, they conducted a game show, much in the spirit of uh, the great Traveling the Vortex quiz show. Uh, in this case, they were doing Match Game, and so it worked just like the 1970s game show. We had a panel of celebrities up on the stage, and they brought up two people from the audience to try to match uh, fill-in-the-blank questions uh, that were designed to be risque. Uh, so uh, it had one of the convention organizers was up on stage, a man whose name is eluding me at the moment, but also Tony Lee and Christopher Jones, the comic book creators, were up there. Uh, and I actually got selected to be a contestant in the second round uh, of game. Uh, so I, I guess I'm turning out to be a professional Doctor Who convention game show contestant. Uh, much like you guys had me on as a... I earned my spot in, in your game show in Wichita at Time Eddie. The, um, I actually won my round, and then um, uh, the uh, joke had been going around based on Tony Lee had been doing a lot about... Uh, Adric being dead and how great it was that Adric was being dead and one of my questions then just perfectly lined up where the great funny answer was Adric and then I matched all three of the um, uh, people on the panel and won my round. Uh, we were ready to be done with that but Tony Lee insisted that uh, that we had to have uh, the two winners face off for a grand uh, finale winner so I got to stay on stage while the previous winner came up and we ended up uh, taking it to a uh, a tie so I tied for a grand prize winner of match game at Chicago TARDIS after the, um, the, the room party and checking in briefly on the karaoke party that they had going on in the gaming area I um, retired for the night I came back down Sunday morning for the Verity podcast recording. Uh, Lynn Thomas and Erica Inson from Verity Podcast were both there, along with Erica's husband, Stephen Schapansky, from Radio Free Scarrow. Um, And that episode actually is already on the Verity podcast feed, if you want to check that out. Uh, They did a lot of fun games, uh, This this or That, um, uh, Cuddle, Marry, or Ignore, uh, and some other games that they do. And that was a nice, fun panel. I, I listened to Verity, and Radio Free Scarrow. I also listened to Lazy Doctor Who, the podcast that Erica and Steven do together as they watch all of the episodes of Doctor Who in order from the beginning and then do a nice, intimate kind of recap and discussion of them afterwards. Uh, That's actually my favorite of the three podcasts. and It comes out irregularly, but I highly recommend Lazy Doctor Who. I got the chance afterwards to uh, shake their hands, meet uh, Lynn and Erica and Stephen, and tell them how much I enjoy listening to their podcasts. At that point, though, even though it was still Sunday morning, we had a very long drive back to Kansas City. Uh, So we wrapped up and checked out of the hotel and started heading towards home after a very memorable weekend. Uh, You know, my takeaway from 
Chicago TARDIS is that there are some limitations. They seem to maybe to have attendance down a little bit this year because of no uh, no uh, new series guest. Uh, I didn't like the way they did the seating uh, for the VIP people because it left so many empty seats. Um, I didn't like that there were, wasn't like public table time to go up and see the celebrities and have a little bit more of an extended uh, conversation with them um, without maybe you know dropping quite so much money. Um, I was also surprised that there was not more active social media going on during the show. Uh, I was tweeting some using the Chicago TARDIS hashtag and put a few things on Facebook. And as I looked through the activity, it seemed like I was one of the most active people actually at the show, maybe other than Stephen Schapansky. Um, there, of course, was the lack of New Who, which, you know, they, they really tried but couldn't deal with. And then the video issues were disappointing as well. But on the plus side, it's a really intimate setting. Uh, it's got a slow, slower, uh, more relaxed vibe to a show. Uh, you do get a chance to see the uh, panel performers, the, the celebrities do panels in different configurations uh, on all three days. So if you're only able to attend one day, you're going to be able to see the celebrities uh, do something on stage. There's also autograph and photo time with them each of the days. So there's lots of opportunity for one-day attendees. Um, also, the show clearly has a lot of longtime attendees. When they uh, talked during the... Um, when they were doing the um, opening ceremonies, they asked how many people were first-year attendees and had you know a fair number of hands go up in the audience. And then they asked how many people had been all 18 years. And it was really surprising that there were nearly as many people in the audience who had been to Chicago TARDIS every year for all 18 years as had been... Uh, as were there the first year this year. Um, and also, the merchandise was really very reasonably priced. Uh, I'm not a big finish person, so I really wasn't uh, you know, looking to pick up big finish CDs, but I was picking up 10 and 15 $20 t-shirts, uh, all of the other kind of uh, merch, the books and the, uh, the branded items and things were not high price. They were, were very normal uh, sort of priced or sometimes even a little bit bargain priced. So there was some cool stuff uh, to get there. It was well well worth uh, spending a little bit of time in the vendor room uh, to, to get some cool stuff. It's a type of show that if you're in the Chicago area, it's definitely worth going for one day. Um, if you're going to travel from further away, I think it's going to be dependent upon how much you really want to see those guests and maybe whether you've got... Um, a, a good op low-cost opportunity. I will say that in what I saw, uh, there wasn't a lot of LobbyCon going on at Chicago TARDIS this year. I don't know if that's typical or not. Uh, so well, there were always a few people kind of sitting out in the hotel lobby, but it was not, um, it was not a real happening uh, place. I, I also found that... Um, you know, you know, the part of this is my fault because I'm not necessarily the most extroverted strike up a conversation with a stranger person. Uh, with it, you know, but um, I just didn't find that there was a lot of opportunity to really make new friends there. It, I would recommend definitely, uh, if you don't already have friends who are attending, you'll want to go with friends uh, so that you have some good social opportunities and can share things with them at the time. Uh, but anyway, that's that's my story for Chicago TARDIS 2017. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this, and uh, I'll see you guys in the Vortex. Thanks. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex, 
Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.